This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, CLC. I cannot tell you how glad I am to be here with you today. Not only because I came from a place that had a winter storm going on, and we have had snow and ice for the last couple of weeks, but because wasn't this worship amazing this morning? I mean to tell you, it was beautiful to see this visual representation of people from every tongue and tribe, what it's going to be like when we're in heaven with everyone around the throne. Amazing. I just loved it. It was such a privilege to be a part. Thank you to all of you. And you guys just look amazing with your clothes. I've been to a lot of missions conferences, but I've never seen one as good as you guys. This is really great. Well, uh, we have a few pictures coming up. I think they'll get us going here. You'll see my family in just a second. Uh, As Pastor Tom said, Jay is over at the Coral Springs campus. And uh, Jay's preaching there. Uh, We have a son, Joshua. Joshua is 21 years old, and he is a student in university back in Missouri. So he's not able to be here with us today. But I do have my daughter with me here today, Natalie. Natalie is 18. She is standing over there. And so we're just so excited to get to be here with you. It has been our privilege, my husband and I, for the last 25 years, we have been Bible teachers at the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. It's located in Springfield. In fact, your own Pastor Tom is a graduate of AGTS. And it was our privilege there to get to train. Over 25 years, we got to train thousands of pastors and missionaries who are today ministering around the world. And I'll tell you what, we were really happy. We just assumed we would finish our our work career there. We'd spend our days and we'd retire and all would be good. Well, then one day we were approached by a missionary from Africa. And this missionary, he challenged us. He challenged us with the words of Lauren Triplett. He said, don't measure yourself by your past success. Rather, measure yourself against the unfinished task. And he began to tell us of the need in Africa. There were so many needs. It's so great. And he went on. There are still 867 unreached people groups in Africa, 867, who have whole groups of people that have never heard the name of Jesus. He went on to say just how immense and how great the, the continent is so large that they don't even have enough people to go everywhere. Did you know that within the continent of Africa, you can fit the United States, China, India, Europe, Japan, so many, all the countries listed there, you can fit them all inside the size of the continent of Africa. There simply aren't enough people to go around to take the gospel to all these places. And as he was telling us about this, I remembered one of our students that we had at AGTS. His name was Barnabas Umtokambali. Barnabas was one of the few. He was one of the fortunate from Africa. He was a village pastor in Tanzania. And somebody saw that he had leadership potential and they were willing to invest in him. And he was able to come and be sponsored to come to AGTS and study. 
And while he was there, he was in my program, and, and one t- day he was talking to me about his final papers, final project that he was working on. And in it, he set a goal. He said that he was going to go back and lead his village church. He pastored a small village church, but he was going to lead them to plant 554 new churches. Pretty amazing, huh? And I, and it was, and I was a little surprised. And I looked at him and I said, Barnabas, that is great. But I'm just curious, why 554? Why not 500 or 550? And his face lit up. He smiled and he said, you taught me to be strategic. And he said, I've done the math. I've measured the state where I live. And if we can plant 554 new churches, there will be a church within 20 square miles of every single person. Somebody, they would be able to walk to a church somewhere. So that's why I've picked 554. Well, the good news is that in that time, that was about 10 years ago, he went back right away. His village church planted more than 554 churches. And and people saw pastors around, caught his vision. They saw what he was doing and they started planting churches. And the churches that his churches planted, planted more churches. And by the time it was done, now, 11 years later, they have planted over 10,000 new churches. That is the power of what can happen with one trained pastor. One person with a passion to reach the lost who is equipped to do that effectively. And we realize for every Barnabas out there, there are hundreds more who will never have the privilege of coming here. They will never have the ability to come and study here, but they are called, they're willing to go. They will go plant churches in places that Westerners could never get in, places that aren't safe. Often they go at the very risk of their lives, but they're willing to go, but they need to be trained. 60% of the people willing to go have no access to formal Bible training. They need to be trained. They need somebody to equip them. And as we heard this vision, my husband and I just sensed God prompting us, leave your careers behind, leave your families behind, leave it all. Other people can do this, but you have experience that they need. You can help equip these people who are willing to go plant churches. And so in 2018, we did just that. We left everything behind. We moved to Africa. And our first six months, we settled in in our very remote place in Tanzania to do an immersion language training. God does have a sense of humor at our age, us learning Swahili. But we were in an immersion program where if you wanted to live, if you wanted to eat, you had to learn. And so we learned there. And it was a very remote place. Let's just put it this way. If we wanted to uh, have butter, we had to make it ourselves. Our daughter, then 16, she learned how to drive dodging elephant dung. (laughs) It was a very remote place. But God used that, established a foundation, and now we are back in Kenya. We're in the city of Nairobi, and we are helping them to plant new churches, new Bible schools, so that we can train people who will plant churches. We are starting 10 new Bible schools. We were beginning to lay the foundation, train the administrators, and then 2020 hit. 
You all know 2020 was a pretty crazy year, and with COVID, things started to get tense there. When people don't eat during the day, work during the day, they don't eat at night, and there started to be a lot of tension, a lot of violence. Uh, the food lines, people would get trampled to death, people were killed by police beatings. It just got started to get really crazy, and the U.S. Embassy evacuated the Americans out. So we've had to come home, but now, praise God, things have calmed down, settled down enough that a week from Friday, we get to return and go back to Kenya. Yes, we're very excited. And so when we go back, I'm sorry, I skipped a whole section. This is some of the terrible things that went on in 2020 in Kenya. They had a flooding, they had a plague of locusts. Locusts are still going on right now. The locusts are all across West Kenya eating everything in sight. It's a cloud 150 miles wide. They eat everything green in its sight, which is all the food for the people, and then the flooding, and then with that and COVID, it was just crazy. But fortunately, despite the locusts, things have calmed down enough that it's safe for us to go back. And so we are returning. And once we return in a week and a half, our mission will be to do several things right away. The first thing we're going to do is start 10 new Bible colleges. These are Bible colleges that have been strategically located across the country, so it's near the unreached people groups in Kenya. And we're going to train people who are willing to go into those unreached people groups. We're also going to train 50 new Bible school teachers so that they can teach in these new Bible schools. We already have some teachers, but we need more. And so we're training 50 more with they will earn an accredited bachelor's degree in Bible and theology. And finally, we are going to train 5,000 new church planters. We're working very closely with the Kenya Assemblies of God. They have men and women who are called and want to go. And we're setting up a program that's equipped to handle 5,000 new people. And that is their goal. The Kenya Assemblies of God in the next five years wants to plant 5,000 new churches. That's an exciting big vision, isn't it? But we serve a very big God. And together, I just thank you for your partnership because when we partner together, we are kingdom builders. So we're very excited to get back to the work that God has called us about. We're excited because we have good news to share. We bring the good news that God wants us to have an abundant, joy-filled life. Amen. That's what we're excited to do, and we appreciate your partnership with us. Well, as... Thank you. As you know, a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Valentine's Day. And I laughed afterwards. I heard the story of a young couple, a newly married couple. It was their first Valentine's Day. And the man had asked his wife, he said, Honey, how would you like a diamond necklace for Valentine's Day? To which she replied, Well, nothing would make me happier. So that's just what he got her. Nothing. (laughs) Do any of you have somebody like that in your life? When it comes to gift giving, shall we say they're romantically impaired? (laughs) I can't help but think the first year we were married, our first Valentine's Day, my husband was a big bat. Packer, and he gave me a sleeping peg guaranteed to go to zero degrees. <laughs> now, fortunately, he's come a long way, so people, miracles can still happen. If you have somebody like that, <laughs> there's still hope for you. It feels good to laugh, doesn't it? Amen. God wants us to laugh. He came to give us an abundant, joy-filled life. 
the Bible talks about joy over 200 times. John 15, 11 says, these things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Where's your joy meter today? If you think, are you on empty? Are you on full? How's your joy meter today? Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. If that's not enough, again I say it, rejoice. Nehemiah 8, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Good, I love it. People who know their Bible. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit that is supposed to be evident in our lives. If we are living and walking in the power of the Spirit, then joy should be something visible that people around us can see. If we're honest, if you're like me sometimes, especially over the last year, there's still plenty of room for God to work in my life in this area. In the busyness of life, it's easy to lose our joy. And especially this past year with COVID. Did you know that COVID has increased the amount of stress and anxiety and depression? All the studies are showing the CDC, the Center for Disease Control uh, Prevention, did a study and they announced that more than 42% of U.S. adults reported symptoms of anxiety and depression in 2020. That was up almost 100% from 2019. 42%. That means four out of 10 of us sitting here today, four out of 10 of your neighbors, four out of 10 of your colleagues at work or friends at school, it's among the young people the most and people with young children. It is very clearly on the rise. In the midst of this crazy season, if we uh, aren't careful, uh, it's, it's up because of all these things, the fears, the isolation, the struggles, our routines have been disrupted, jobs have been lost. There's financial stress. Schools and businesses have been closed. Social distancing leaves us in isolation. We have tensions of living in lockdown with family members now for a longer period of time, closer together. Anybody else experience that? Okay, I'm not the only one here. Um, Amidst this crazy season, if we are not careful, it can steal our joy. But I guess that we shouldn't be surprised. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. That's right. The thief comes to steal our joy. And when he does, we are left with worry and stress and anxiety and grouchiness and anger and depression. And herein lies the problem. These are not the fruits that God wants growing in the life of his children. We need to root these out because Jesus says in Matthew 7, 18, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. So we have to be intentional to recognize it for what it is, root it out, and then be cultivating the fruits of the spirit like joy. James 1, 2, and 3. When troubles of any kind, including COVID, come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter what's going on in your life, whatever this new crazy season holds, we can see this as an opportunity to grow in our joy. Some of us today may need to pray a new prayer We need to pray the prayer of David from Psalm 51. Lord, restore unto me 
the joy of my salvation. We may need to echo the prayers of Paul in Philippians 2. Lord, make my joy complete. Amen. And God wants to do that for us today. How do we do that? How does he cultivate this in our lives? The fruit of the Spirit is cultivated by the Spirit. But there are things that we can do to put our lives in a position where it makes it easier for him to work. So, and and remember, I am talking here not about a surface emotion of happiness. Happiness is based on external circumstances. I am talking about that deep abiding joy that the spirit cultivates that we have no matter what is going on around us. Circumstances can be crazy. Life can be full of all kinds of things that don't make sense, but we can still have that deep abiding joy. So very quickly this morning, I just want to mention four things we can do to help cultivate joy in our lives. The first one, Develop contentment. Develop contentment. Sadly, the lives of many believers are full of discontent. Discontent is never being quite satisfied with what we have, who we are, or what we have achieved. It's wanting more than we have now. I will never forget how I experienced this firsthand. Um, Some years ago, we had a little bit of a tax refund coming back, and we had uh, desperately needed new carpet in our living room, and so we said, okay, we're going to use this tax refund to get new carpet. We've raised two kids on it. We've had a dog for 10 years. It's never been changed. It just really needs to be changed. So, okay, great. We We set aside the refund to do that. Well, in the process, we pull out the furniture from the walls and realize, oh, look at that black line on the wall where the couch has bumped it all these years. Maybe we should just re paint before we put the carpet down. So we painted all the walls. And then in the process of pulling out the furniture, I said, boy, it's pretty ratty looking. Maybe we should recover it. So then we have the furniture recovered. And then as everything is starting to look so good, a new carpet, new painted walls, freshly covered furniture, I thought, oh, those window coverings, they they could use a spruce up. They need to be refreshed. And then pretty soon the fan needed a new fan and a new light. And you get the idea. By the time I was done, our simple little carpet, uh, getting new carpet, had turned into a whole new living room, a whole new bathroom, and spending about four times what we planned to spend. Discontent works this way. We think we need one thing, and then we always want more. We can be discontent with a lot of things. We can be discontent with our finances, our jobs, our relationship status our bodies, all kinds of things. But Paul teaches us in Philippians 2 the importance of being content. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether we're rich or poor, whether in sickness or in health, whether slimmer or fatter, whether single or married, whether isolated at home or out with my friends, Whatever it is, I've learned the secret of being content. One of the fastest ways to develop contentment is to stop comparing ourselves with others. Sometimes we want to keep up with those around us, even when that may not be what God intended for us. This epidemic of comparing our lives to others, I think, has been escalated by social media. One problem, though, when we compare ourselves with others is that we forget we're only seeing the external that they project and want us to see. They have their problems, too. 
Another problem if we're always comparing ourselves to others, we will never measure up. There will always be somebody who is better at us, who's smarter than us, who is uh, skinnier. Whatever it is we're comparing, they'll be richer, more talented. Whatever it is, there will always be somebody who's better. Even in the church, someone will always be more spiritual than you. God wants us to stop comparing ourselves with others, not just in society, but in church too. When we do that, when we stop trying to be like everybody else, we can move into the second thing, and that is to live purposefully. We will experience more joy when we engage in meaningful activities that are uh, utilize the giftings that God has gifted us and the way God has wired us. Did you know God designed us uniquely, not like anyone else? Did you know there are over a thousand varieties of a stick bug? Over a thousand species of a bug. And this kind of diversity can be seen all over creation. We all know that no two snowflakes are alike. If God put that much thought into a silly stick bug or a simple small snowflake, just think how much more he did with us. People were the crowning point of his creation. We are not alike. He made us unique. And it was God's divine design for one body with many parts. Our uniqueness was on accident. It was done on purpose. We are God's masterpiece, we read in Ephesians 2. He created us new in Christ Jesus. Why? So that we could do the good things he planned for us. God knew and planned that we would do amazing things for him. So we need to embrace our differences, whatever it is. How has God uniquely wired and gifted you? Maybe you're good at hospitality. Maybe you're good at woodworking or sewing, whatever it is. Find ways to use that for God's glory. I have a friend, she's a widow, and she loves to garden. And she has built this, uh, built, sorry, she's planted this garden where back when she was, as a little girl, she got exposed to the gospel with this little wordless book that had colors. And, you know, separation from God leaves us in darkness, but Christ died on the cross and his red blood washes our sin white as snow, and now we will live with him. Anyway, you get the idea, that wordless book, all those colors, so she planted all those colors into her garden. And for the last 10 years, every single kid in her neighborhood has heard the gospel message as she points out the flowers and what they mean. Find a way, whatever it is you enjoy doing, to allow God to use that for you. Romans 12, 6, let us go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with others or trying to be something that we aren't. I just want to encourage you, don't put God in a box. Think creatively for how he can use you. We first went to Africa about 21 years ago, and my husband and I had been married for 13 years, and we hadn't been able to have children. And while we were there, it didn't matter where we went, across the country of Uganda, when they found out that we didn't have kids, people would always say, oh, you should have Sister Christine pray for you. I have a a picture of uh, Christine Laniero, maybe... Yeah, this is, and they would say, you should have her pray for you. Well, on our last day, who should come up to me but Sister Christine? 
And she said, is it okay? Can I pray with you? And I said, yes, go ahead. I'll take all the prayer I can get. And she opened her Bible. She read a psalm. It said, the barren woman will rejoice for God will give her a son. And then she simply laid her hand on my stomach. And she said, Lord, bless this couple with a child. Amen. After people all over the country had talked about her, I almost felt like, wow, that was very anticlimactic. But then she followed it up with this. She said, now the only thing I ask is you let me know when the baby is born. I thought, wow, I've been prayed for hundreds of times and nobody's ever finished it that way. But wouldn't you know, I got on a plane, came home, took a pregnancy test, and I was pregnant. Praise God. I found out later when I wrote to tell her that I was pregnant and that I had had a son that um, I was the 18th person she had prayed for. She only prays for people God tells her to, but all 18 immediately became pregnant. My point is, don't put God in a box. We serve this great big God who wants to do amazing things. Let him do amazing things through you. The third thing we can do is foster optimism. Keep a positive attitude. Are you generally a happy person or a negative person? Some people bring joy wherever they go. Others bring joy whenever they go. (laughs) Two people can be in the same situation and yet have very differing circumstances. Um, What's in your life? Are you a positive or a negative person? And I'm going to have to skip through the next two slides, Power uh, Media Team. Um, is your, in life, is your glass generally half empty or half full? Do you tend to see the problem or the possibility? The Bible says that we are to dwell on the good and the positive. Philippians 4.8, whatever is good, true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, think on these kinds of things. That means some of us may have to stop watching the news. We may have to stop hanging out with those Debbie Downers. We may have to change some of our habits. Let's choose to dwell on the positive. Romans 12, 2, God says, let, it says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So if you struggle staying positive, make it your prayer that God will help you see life from a new perspective. A natural outflow of being more positive is that we're going to be able to laugh more often. You guys, laughing is a very helpful therapeutic thing. There are hospitals now who use humor therapy, and it's a whole lot cheaper than medicine. Many adults in general, including Christians, often take life too seriously. We get so busy, so caught up in our activities, so stressed, that we can become cranky and we can lose our sense of humor. Did you know children laugh or feel joy three to four hundred times a day? Adults only 17. Wow. There's a reason why scripture says a merry heart is a good medicine. God invented laughter and he designed us to benefit from it. Now, don't misunderstand me. Choosing to keep a positive attitude does not mean we deny the cares of this world. I'm not trying to say we just put on a smile and stay ignorant of life's cares. That's not it at all. Being joyful is is more. Solomon said, even in laughter, the heart may ache. Joy and sorrow can coexist. 
They are like parallel railroad tracks in our lives. Joy is not the absence of sorrow or suffering, but it is the presence of God. Jesus wasn't happy about going to the cross. He prayed the night before, Father, if there is any way, take this cup from me. And yet Hebrews 12, 2 says, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured that cross. So he could do it because he saw the end result from an eternal perspective. And when we have an eternal perspective, it allows us to remain positive even in life's trials. It is during those times that we draw on our great reserves of joy that are based on the steadfast nature of God. And it is then that we experience the joy of the Lord as our strength like never before. We can take hope. Scripture promises those who sow in tears will reap in joy. And I love this one. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. Finally, the last thing that we can do to experience joy on a more regular basis is reach out. Reach out and do something for someone else. In spite of social isolation, we can be creative and find ways to connect with others and do things for others. Basically, the point is to stop focusing on ourselves and focus on someone else. My mom used to sing this old song. It was called, Joy, Jesus, and Others, and You. Isn't that a wonderful way to spell joy? Jesus first, then others, then ourselves. Two women were talking in a restaurant, and as they ate lunch, one woman complained, I just hate getting older. Every day I look in the mirror, I see a new wrinkle. Well, her wise friend replied, so stop looking in the mirror. What great advice, so simple. Stop looking in the mirror. The less I look in the mirror, the more I'll notice other people. The less I pay attention to my problems, the more I focus on others, the more I'm going to experience the joy comes back to me. Do you know what? This is a biblical concept. It's called the boomerang effect. Do you know what a boomerang is? That Australian, it's wood, you throw it, and it flies through the air, and then it turns and comes back to you. And that's the way it is. When we bless others, it comes back to bless us. Proverbs 11.25, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And right now, see, you have the perfect opportunity to bless others through this missions conference. When you do a faith promise, when you give to others, when you invest in the lives of women like Mirabelle and Rebecca and the girls in Haiti and all these things you're doing, when you equip a pastor to plant a church among an unreached people group, as kingdom builders, I promise you, it will come back to bless you. So find ways, be creative, reach out, step out in a big, bold faith that believes in a big God capable of doing more than you could ever ask or think. I challenge you, you will experience God's joy. Thank you. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. 
Now go and be messengers of hope.